0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Underdog Best Ball Draft Edition. Thank you to all of us joining live. Let's have a great best ball draft. Why the hell not, everyone? I'm Ian Hart. It's joining me, PFF colleagues, Nathan Yonke and Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Nathan, what's up, man? We've been doing this now. Good five weeks or so. And you've been on yeah. the, the overall majority, man. Let, let's go win a million bucks today. It's not a million bucks, oh, but yeah. I can imagine.
1: Today's the day, and I pick eleven. You pick twelve, so it's going to be fun. I'm wondering who you're thinking of picking in this first and second round.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you are, Nate. I'm not freaking uh, telling you, honest. I'll say that much. Dwayne, how's it going?
2: I'm doing good, and you know I never share my picks with you, Ian. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what. I think that uh, it might have hurt you the last time we did one of these, but we'll see who wins this time around. Nate is going to, or Dwayne's going to be drafting out of what slot are you in, Dwayne? Seven. Oh, seven. seven. I believe, Dwayne, I saw a tweet from you today talking about actually how much you like drafting out of the middle rounds right now. Why is that?
2: Well, you can just scoop the value when it slides. What I find is at the ends, right, when you're on the very tail ends, like if you're either setting at 1-1 or at 12 or 2 or 11, like usually it's going to dry up right in front of you. So, and don't be wrong, I like a good mix of drafting from all positions. That's really what I'm looking for, you know, across the portfolio. But the ones where I've drafted from the middle, it just seems that I've caught the most value. So, for example, in and, and that draft, it was extreme. Like, Dalvin Cook fell all the way back to me at the 2-7, you know. Uh, so, normally, he goes pick 11. I got him pick 20 overall. Oh. And then turned around and picked up Fournette, um, like six six past ADB, ADP in round three. Um, so Nathan kind of had a similar scenario. I don't I can't remember Nathan. It was two or three drafts ago where you did something similar where like you got Javonta Williams at value. And it's just it's it's just a matter of you know being able to scoop the value is the main thing. So I'm gonna go ahead and go with Eckler here um out of the the seven hole, which is is pretty standard. It's about where he goes.
0: Nate, one of your best calls that, you know, I think he rightfully continued to let everyone know about throughout the season (laughs) was being very high on Austin Eckler, especially compared to consensus. Now he is a top five back. Dwayne just took him number three. Do you think Eckler deserves to be going RB3 behind Taylor McCaffrey? Are you saying hell with that? He's number two behind only Jonathan Taylor.
1: Uh, No, I think I probably have him around three or maybe even for Najee Harris is someone I really like this year with how much volume he had last year. He should continue to have the volume. And hopefully the offensive line plays better this year, opens up a few more holes for him to be able to take advantage of it. So um, I think middle of the first
0: round, the exact right spot to get at Claire this year. Now, keep in mind with Najee Harris last year, this time he weighed 242, this year 244. So if you guys are willing to take on those extra two pounds of weight, uh, then maybe he <laughs> will be a value for you. I am now on the clock. Nate just took Najee. I see Dalvin, but I do see someone that I see all of our PFF uh, non-fancy guys hyping up, and that is none other than C.D. Lamb saying he could be leading the league in receptions and all that. I happen to agree. My wide receiver five on the in terms of my ranks. Now looking at this, Dalvin, Mixon, Swift, Debo. Oh, I'm panicking. I'm panicking, guys. This is not good.
1: I definitely Leaning.
0: want like Antonio
1: Gibson here. So it'd be a
0: shame if you went and picked him. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> I would be also so upset if that happened. Yeah. again. Just Almost to say. got my ass. On, All right.
0: Fire. I'm going to settle on Dalvin. Uh, I will note that I was a lot. I, if you guys listen to some of these past streams, we were fading Dalvin early on just because of some of those legal issues that were still out there. They are still out there, but the trial has been moved back to a point where we are not expecting any of the stuff Dalvin's dealing with to be concluded by the really end of this season meaning no suspension will likely be handed down until 2023, if at all. Not quite the same level of certainty, though, with Alvin Kamara, who we're finally starting to see that reflected in his fantasy uh, ADP right now. Kamara has fallen to the RB10. Dwayne, we uh, did our team preview series on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast for the Saints yesterday, actually talking about Kamara. Right now, man, going RB10, it's just tough to get behind him when we have guys like Fournette, like Barkley, like James Conner, similar veteran backs that you could argue even in the absence of a potential suspension have a pretty damn high ceiling.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's just somebody that, again, like if if this was – You know, something where we didn't know there was potential video that the league was looking at. Like, the video thing, like, triggers me. (laughs) Because, the you know, we know the NFL, like, once they have video, like, they all of a sudden behave differently. So, yeah, I'm not really in on um, Kamara right now at ADP. But later, you know, could get back on board. We'll see what happens with the legal process. I'm deciding here between Mark Andrews and DeAndre Swift, I'm going to go ahead and take the running back. Um you know, I, I don't always, st- I mean, I don't start RBRB RB that often, um, but I have here a couple of times lately. Um, and so with Swift, it's just the receiving profile. You know, I've actually taken an earlier than that before. Um, so I like with both of my starting backs, you know, I've got the opportunity for explosive plays and they're very involved in the receiving game. The other thing I do now, the way I use this queue, um, and I don't know that everyone should, because if you time out, you could make a bad pick, but like, as soon as I picked, um, you know, um, Austin Eckler in the first round. Like I queued up all the Rams, right? So that just for tiebreakers later, like I'll automatically see that the Rams are starred over to the left. Like they'll have that white star over in my queue um, because I know that that game's correlated for Week 17, the Chargers and the Rams. And then now I'll do like the same. Five minutes thing.
0: in the freaking stream, and you're already bringing up Week 17. Yeah, I'm telling. I'm, I'm teaching Come people on. how to fish, man.
2: I'm teaching people how to fish, man. Like yeah, you know, it's not just about player takes. Like about. it's yeah, it's like the the macro takes. Come on, Ian. Come on. I tell, I, teaching people how to use the tools, like the best, you know, to use them. Yeah. Like I'm all about it. I am. Can we just have like,
0: instead of having ADP or bye week why don't we just have week 17 matchup and like our projection for that? What else matters these days other than just who you're playing in week 17? It's a piece of the puzzle, but my God, Dwayne, I feel like I'm hearing more about week 17 than the player evaluation. Is there anything else that matters these days?
2: Yeah, it's a tiebreaker, man. So like if I'm looking at three players that are all right together and I've got one of them starred for correlation, it helps you make the decision between it and it helps you keep track of it. Cause a lot of times it's really easy to lose track like of, of what those, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to use it, you know, and you have to use it to drive your whole draft. But I think you'll be pretty far fetched to see a week 17 team, not have correlation win at all this year, just because so many teams are doing it, it's going to be near impossible for you to win a million bucks or whatever and not have something like that break your way.
0: Shouldn't we be fading the week 17 correlation now because everyone's getting into it?
2: I'm not, you can like, let you do that. I'll let you do that.
0: Uh, I love getting on Dwayne's nerves sometimes. want to invite all of you guys, if you're not already signed up at Underdog Fantasy, to do so. Using code PFF, you will get a $100 deposit match, and all you need to do using the 101, what that $100, which, hey, if you're depositing that much, why wouldn't you be trying to play some of it? Spend just $10 using promo code PFF in any contest. You'll get a free PFF subscription. This is our best deal right now, so if you have any intents of, you know, signing up for a PFF sub before the season, and, hey, we're just trying to make it some money fantasy gambling smarter football fan whatever that might be again sign up underdog fantasy today deposit just ten dollars you can do a hundred and they'll match it but at a minimum ten dollars enter any contest you'll get that free PFF subscription. great day to be great and yeah let's go win some freaking money people that's what we're trying to do now and maybe just maybe dwayne's on to something with these week 17 correlations you can find about find out about all that and so much more with one of those handy dandy free pff subs nate you're on the clock what are you thinking
1: um, I was deciding between DJ Moore and Kyle Pitts just a minute ago, and that went out the window, so, Ooh. um, might go back to running back, um, either Cam Akers or Elliott are the guys that I like here, but I think I like Akers a little bit better, so.
2: And there hasn't been a lot of value, like, falling in the draft, like, so, like, mate, where you were picking, like, it's, ADP is pretty much, like, on the nose with, like, who's available.
0: Mm-hmm. I absolutely hate this spot right now. I feel like everyone I like has an ADP that's a little bit further, but you know what? I'm going to fade some of this ADP. Take my guys, Terry McLaurin, Travis Etienne. I think guys that could both very well still be on the rise. I mean, Etienne, RV18, I think as we get more and more clarity that he is the one closer to 100%, not James Robinson, we'll see him going up the ranks. And Terry McLaurin, man, just in this jumble wide receiver two mess, Dwayne, we've talked about this, but he is the guy, along with Michael Pittman, that we're targeting well above a lot of these other dudes. Nate, you went ahead and grabbed probably my third option that I was kind of looking at, George Kittle right there. Nate what are, what's your opinion on this 49ers offense because we have two ob- objectively just incredible football players in George Kittle and Debo Samuel pick any metric you want even Brandon Ayuk Elijah Mitchell there's a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of proven good players but man if we're moving over to Trey Lance we've seen that impact that a dual threat quarterback can kind of have on the surrounding offense it's great for the dual threat quarterback because of all the volume they're getting but sometimes it can be tough for extra players to kind of reach their ceilings out of Ayuk Debo and Kittle who do you think could be You know, the quote unquote biggest loser from having Trey Lance under center now in 2022?
1: I think if anyone, it's a little bit IU, but I think it's more so going to be the running game that hurts from it than the passing game. So I guess maybe Devo might not get as many carries this time around, but I think if anything, they'll try to be passing more often, but then more of those passes will turn into runs. So I think in terms of total number of passing attempts, I'm not sure it'll change as much as we've seen for other rushing quarterbacks. Plus, Dwayne, yeah. I already picked Samuel, so having both Samuel and Kittle was part of my strategy there. So I know I reached a little bit for
0: Kittle, but was happy to do so with Samuel. Cannot wait to snipe Trey Lance right out from underneath you and just make <laughs> you start screaming, Dwayne. I think I I think I saw was you talking about some Debo splits and just the idea that like he was awesome in the first half of the year before they really started using my running back. And then it was awesome in the second half if we lose some of the running back snaps in favor of him, just going back to that just gigantic usage he was getting as a pure wide receiver in the first half of the year, like that's a win for fantasy man. He's, he's proven himself to be an elite wide receiver. I would be more concerned about getting that second half usage and anticipating him needing to be as much of an outlier. as he has been running the football. Do you agree?
2: Totally agree. And, and, that was kind of my point today. Like I was kind of going back and forth with a few people that I love on Twitter, like Billy Muzio, like, you know, he plays on a lot of high stake leagues that I'm in a few other guys and, you know, it's good. Everybody has different opinions, but my thought process is in a PPR format or half PPR, especially like I, I just liked the early version, right? Of Debo <laughs> better than the late version. Yeah. I agree with everything everyone's saying. Like if he's still in the rushing game, can you really get all these rushing touchdowns, things like that? I get where people are going, but ultimately in a PPR format, I value what I got from Debo in those first eight games over what it looked like over the last eight and i think part of this contract negotiation stuff and showing up to minicamp i don't think he's going to get used as much as a back and i look at that as a positive
0: big dog on deck stopping the matthew stafford slide at 411 pretty uh pretty bold move in my uh humble opinion there but shooter's gonna shoot please tell me he at least had cup all right, he got caught, but yeah. all right, this is like example A of reaching way too far than you should have. Like Stafford's gonna be there, what, Dwayne, round ten or eleven or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
2: it's yeah. Look, the number one way to sink your team is to reach. Yeah. you know, so build your stacks. You know, whether it's your team stacks, your game stacks, whatever it is you're wanting to do, build them, but make them. You know, as to your point, jumping all over me at the beginning. The part I do agree with you on, Ian, is you shouldn't make it the lead part of your strategy. Yeah. It becomes. The, the next part of your strategy you want to build the right roster early on i like to let the value come to me and then from there determine okay now that i've built like this team out over these first five to six picks what do i really need to be thinking about over my over my next you know four to five picks and then towards the end of the draft you know what are some of the ways on some of these players we're not real confident on how can i use the game stacks to basically narrow it down to say okay if i am right about this player then that's actually a positive thing so like right here like i don't normally get you know herbert Um, but I'm getting him well past ADP, and I have Eckler, right? And so normally we don't necessarily think of running back stacks with the quarterback as being what we want to do, but I'm going to go ahead and take it here because Eckler's profile, right, is really as this receiving back, and so you could get some double-up points from that. Um, My two picks before that were Michael Pittman and Cortland Sutton, so my roster now is Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift, Michael Pittman, and Cortland Sutton.
0: Yeah, like when Nate reached a little bit on George Kittle to help set up the Debo and the Trey Lance stack, he picked him at pick 38, ADP was 47. Uh, Picking Matthew Stafford at pick 47, his ADP is 94. So slightly, you know, small difference there in terms of what we can be expecting. Nate, you are back on the clock. What are you thinking?
1: I'm thinking at least a wide receiver here, maybe a wide receiver for the other one too, since uh, Debo is the only one that I have so far. And I think...
2: Michael Thomas is the guy I'm gonna go with. Um, I like is, Thomas. I know I like he's a risky right guy, now. but well, I think though what most likely happens with Thomas, you know, Ian and I talked about this the other day. Nate would love your thoughts. Um, you know, I think the most likely scenario is ADP creeps up, right, not downward. I think eventually we get word that he's practicing. Now he could have a setback, like if he had a setback, that would be problematic. Um, but I mean, as soon as we start to get word that he's going to be practicing, like his ADP is his ADP could. could could climb two rounds. I mean, it's a guy that people have seen have a 30% target, target share in the past, which is something that, you know, not every, not a lot of receivers can claim. So I know that people that, you know, they will glom on to guys that have performed in the past and rightfully. So typically your past performers, you know, are pretty good in the future too, you know, up to a certain extent. So, I like the Thomas pick, especially now, because I think his ADP could get to a point later where that risk is still there, and we know we don't have Drew Brees and a lot of the other things that we don't like, um, but his price tag will then be too high. And Ian, look at you, man. You've You've been wanting some Bateman. How do you feel, Ian?
0: Finally got some Bateman. Of course, it's not in one of the lineups where I already had Lamar and Mark Andrews. Just have not been able to snag him despite getting that start several times, but I'm cool with Bateman here. He actually fell a little bit more than what I'm past to seeing. Got him, yeah, pick 60, ADP, pick 56. Just feel like he's been someone that people, there's usually one person in your draft that's just in love with the guy, so they reach on him a little bit, but got him, and then looking at the wide receivers, I agree with Nate taking Brandon Cooks as the next best option, but with Mooney, Elijah Moore, Drake London, I already Had three wide receivers, including two, you know, really high ones in my opinion, with C.D. and McLaurin. So I went ahead and took Dalton Schultz probably would have fallen a little bit i i I agree that playing a new cycle to our advantage is usually a good idea but i am you know shooting for the stars here trying to get that dak cd schultz stack i am fingers crossed that when i get all the way back around to myself after we go um, back and forth across Mm -hmm. this lineup i'm fingers crossed that dak prescott's still going to be available so looks like the Stafford pick did not start a quarterback run luckily uh we'll see what happens there but Dwayne, you went ahead and did take elijah moore ahead of guys like a monracher on Burks and Thielen, maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, how Elijah, even if he only played a little bit of last year, really the underlying numbers were everything we wanted to see.
2: Yeah. And for him and Amon Ra, like it's, they're very similar in that way, but I already had Swift. Like, I don't mind stacking stuff, but I don't want like five lions on my team. Like, you know, that's definitely not what I want. So once I have Swift, I typically won't have Amon Ra St. Brown. I'll never say never. Like if, the, if he fell, like, you know, 15 spots past ADP or something, I'd probably go ahead and take him. Um, but in that case, that made me switch over to, you know, Elijah Moore, similar situations. You know, we've got quarterback questions. We've got, you know, potentially guys, other guys challenging them for targets. You've got Jamison Williams, you know, now in the fold with Amon Ross St. Brown. We know that TJ Hawkinson will be back swift. We've already talked about he's on my team with Elijah Moore. It's similar, right? We've got a question at quarterback. You got to deal with Garrett Wilson. First round pick got to deal with Corey Davis. You know, you got Braxton Berrios there. So, Like there are a lot of questions, but it's just the talent profile. And the other thing is on underdog, like the receivers go so fast, you cannot wait. I already have a quarterback and two running backs. Like pretty much my structure told me based on the way my tiers and everything set up, I had to go receiver there. It was just a matter of, you know, picking one of those guys in the tier. I also would have been fine going with uh, Drake London. My exposure on him is a little higher right now. I don't care about exposures too much like this early in the season, Um, but it was just enough that I I went ahead and just leaned to more here.
0: Couldn't agree more about the wide receiver point. I mean, it's almost like it's not quite a two-for-one. Like, you're not having quite two wide receivers out there for every one running back um, overall. But in the first 50, 55 wide receivers, it really isn't that far removed uh, from that. So when you start seeing guys like Clyde Ubersole, like Miles Sanders, Dead zone running backs from last year, I mean, they were in the dead zone because we weren't going to use a round three, round four pick on them. But when those running backs are moved all the way to, you know, around seven through 10, I am far more willing to go after one of these top quarterbacks, tight ends, and just eat those wide receivers all up earlier on. One guy we're starting to see slide a little bit, Dwayne, is Antonio Gibson, still on the board right now, ADP 66. If we do see Gibson, let's say, slide another 10 spots, kind of putting him right next to the Miles Sanders, A.J. Dillons, a little bit ahead of the Cordero Patterson's of the world. Would you then be in on Gibson? Because we say it all the time. You know, don't hate the player, hate the ADP. I'm not drafting Gibson as the round two guy he was last year or anything. But, hey, if we can give him round seven or eight, now we're starting to see a pathway to him maybe meeting that value.
2: Yeah, I think that would be a much better tier for him. The problem is, like, right now he's sticking out like a sore thumb because he really belongs next to all the guys you just mentioned, you know. And and, and so that's why he's sliding. Um, And I think he'll continue to fall in ADP. I don't don't think there's any risk of Antonio uh, Gibson's ADP improving over the preseason without an injury to the biggest injury he could take that would help would be J.D. McKissick. Because then we know he would have the passing down. We say we know. We never really know. But we think we know that he would have the passing down role. And we all, I think, agree that he would probably be pretty good, you know, in that spot. So yeah, I'm sitting yeah. here at pick 79 and... If you take Dak, right. I will murder you. Oh, that's who I need to take? Or is this reverse f- psychology? I will
0: fly to Texas. That's okay if I you don't
2: do take it. It. <laughs> love Nate yeah I went ahead and went with uh with Sky Moore just because I want structurally I needed another receiver um Elijah Mitchell was not a bad value I mean he's not way past where he goes at ADP um, but you know just doesn't catch a lot of patches passes right so in ppr and half ppr that kind of dings mitchell a little bit because he's more of like the first and second down guy that could change this year like we we could see that change especially if debo doesn't play as much in the backfield though
0: but they took Tyrion davis price man who does know, project man. as the perfect guy they want a uh, pass blocking. another one that's uh baffling me a little bit is some of the Ram- Ramondre stevenson steam every player has their price point i get it but are we just gonna ignore they took Pierre Strong, what five picks after Ramondre last year? I understand rookie running yeah. backs aren't making a habit of you know working their way into Bill Belichick's favor, but like okay, if Damon Harris was gone, that'd be one thing, he's not. And James White's back, just again, so many check boxes need to go his way. Oh, you gotta be kidding me.
2: No, <laughs> <sighs> should have never said anything, Ian.
0: Fancy football is stupid.
2: That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> all right dude ian look at the value you still have like your your pick 84 and 85 you got pick 69 still on the board with joe burrow 77 like you're not going to take burrow that often grab him here
0: nah, i'm gonna go brady and Gage and then get Gronk later <laughs> unless someone <laughs> snipes me again oh man i am not liking this draft ladies and mostly gentlemen not good for team ian so far but we're continuing to roll with the punches was able to get some value reached a little yeah, only three spots on Russell Gage. We're seeing him on the rise as well, and for good reason. If Chris Goblin is going to miss any time, we are looking for real big things from Russell Gage early on. I do agree with the sentiment, though. I mean, he's he's probably going to be that classic, you know, blows the hell up in September, and then try to find your one league mate who's not really listening to the fantasy football shows and realizes how big of a trade target he is. So, Nate, interesting strategy there. Went ahead and doubled up on quarterback. What was your thinking?
1: Uh, just joe burrow was falling way too far so like i'm not going to get him this late many times so i figured go out and get him and since trey lance is someone where like yeah we think he's going to start yeah we think he's going to do great and be a rushing quarterback who will get plenty of value but there's a chance that he might not so having joe burrow right
0: there just
1: in case things don't go my way is fairly helpful
0: so Very reasonable chance to get Tyler Boyd on the next go around. I mean, truly with Boyd, he's right there alongside Gage as someone that should be able to meet value, if not exceed it, just if nothing changes with his role. But man, if anything happened to Chase or T. Higgins, like Boyd would all of a sudden be firmly in that wide receiver two conversation. He was right there before they had a chase in the mix. Wouldn't expect that to change here in the year 2022. And even Hayden Hurst at the end of things. Uh, Nate, have you actually gone through your Bengals projections yet and tried to divvy up that target share? Because, Hayden Hurst is someone that if we're looking for the 2022 version of Dawson Knox, just that, you know, the tight end that's in a good enough offense where they can maybe catch double digit touchdowns, despite only getting 70 or so targets. Hayden Hurst could be that guy. If Drew samples out of the picture, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to do it.
1: Yeah. Like I'm not too worried about Drew sample in Cincinnati, but I, basically viewing it the same as I viewed CJ Uzoma last year as someone who like, yeah, he'll have a couple of good games throughout the course of the season, but I don't see him being a consistent contributor. I don't see him being a huge red zone threat when you have a solid enough run game and solid enough wide receivers who can score in the red zone as well. So um, he's someone that, yeah, I'm happy to have him as like a second tight end if I got a good first tight end, but not much more than that.
0: As we were talking about earlier, Dwayne, just the discrepancy and kind of wide receivers going uh, much, much quicker than the running backs. Right now, the top running back still available is Tony Pollard, normally ranked as the RB 29. Right behind him is Tyler Lockett, wide receiver, 44. That's just what we're dealing with here as uh, Garrett Wilson goes off the board. So we still have a handful of wide receivers. Like, I'm not out on Tyler Lockett by any stretch. There's Chase Claypool, Tyler Boyd, no Jamison Williams. But, man, once we get out of that top 55, top 60, it gets rough in a hurry. Do you have kind of a number of wide receivers you're hoping to have by round 10 at this point, Dwayne?
2: Um, I, I want four always, but I prefer five. (laughs) I prefer five just in this format. There's other formats where I will let that slide a little more, but like, Over on underdog, we've talked about it, you know, so say, for example, like look at FFPC, you can get Sky Moore and round nine over here, you have to take him in round seven, like all of these guys are about a two round difference versus some of the other formats that we're used to playing. And so you just have to remember that as you come into the room. Um, And so it doesn't doesn't mean you have to get crazy and reach or that you can't have a different plan or pivot. But you can't pivot too far, because I've done it a couple times just to see what happens just went ahead and Sam going to start with four running backs and grab my tight end and a quarterback. And oh my God. No, no, <laughs> it, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. And here's the thing. You don't want to be drafting wide receivers in round 17 and 18 of these drafts. You know why? half the ones people are drafting right now aren't even going to make teams. Whereas the tight ends going in that range, the quarterbacks sometimes still going in that range are very secure in their jobs. So that's something I've just been trying to think of. I've been doing a lot more of these just honestly to up my game for these pods and just, you know, be at a a different level. And so that's the thing. That's a trend that I've noticed is if I get late and I don't really need the receivers anymore, I feel a lot better. Like uh, I can take an Austin Hooper, right. As my third tight end versus I could be looking at, you know, a, a, you know, let's see who Kansas city, like who they signed. Like, um, sorry. Why, why is my Nicole? mind going blank? Nicole no, no. The guy, the guy at the G-G-N- very end, a tight
0: end. end. Wait, who What are we
2: talking? Yeah. About? No, no, no. Talking about a receiver. Sorry. I was on me. So I had to make my pick, but no, I was thinking of Justin Ross, right? So sign is an, an undrafted true. free agent. We like him. But like he may not even make the team. Right. And, and I'm not saying you can't draft, you know, Justin Ross. Fine. Go ahead and draft him. That, that That's fine by me. Um, but there are a lot of receivers like that, like Romeo D- uh, Dubes. Have we figured yeah, out how to careful. say his name yet? Harditz? Have we figured yeah, he's out he's a, a training
0: camp. He's an OTA all-star, Dwayne, so you can keep that slander to yourself. I'm a <laughs> huge Romeo Dubes fan. We're still trying to figure out that name, though. <laughs>
2: Yes, for sure. But I've, I've just noticed that. So um, not to say that it means you you never want to be drafting receivers in that range, but it's just something that I'm, you know, I've been thinking about.
0: Nate, the great is on the clock. He did not take Rob Gronkowski, which I'm very thankful for. I will say though, I've been reaching a little bit on these tight ends, hoping to get stacks. I finally did complete it, but it's another example of why you maybe shouldn't be reaching because, you know, things can go haywire in, an, in a hurry. Then all of a sudden you're not really loving exactly what's on your plate. Now looking at the available receivers and running backs.
2: Ian, I just want you to know you really need to think about this as you're making your pick. I have a Jets-Seattle stack. I bet you're very scared. Shut up. All right. I'm going with James
0: Cook. Kind of wanted another wide receiver, but Dwayne just made me angry with Wade the entire time he's talking about his week 17 BS. So, Nate, you went ahead and grabbed Robert Woods. What are your kind of thoughts on Traylon Burks versus Robert Woods, uh, Nate? Because early on in the year, I really wasn't expecting anything from Woods. With that said, he's already out there going through drills. Uh, uh, Jordan Rodriguez said when he was still on the Rams that he was expected to be ready for training camp. So, you know, he is getting up there, but it sounds like the ACL isn't going to be something that prohibits him from being on schedule. And Traylon Burks, I'm not reading too much into the asthma stuff, but – I am starting to wonder if maybe we gave Traylon a little bit too much credit early on for being that offense's undisputed number one pass game option. And if that's the case, maybe we should be, you know, prioritizing guys like Drake London uh, ahead of him. If we aren't already, where do you kind of come across so far, Nate, on Traylon Burks? Yeah, I think with
1: Burks and Woods, like Woods is someone who this time a year ago we were debating between him and Cooper Cup as the Rams top wide receiver. So he's definitely someone who's very talented and yeah, Tennessee, typically has only had one strong wide receiver at a time these past couple of years, but um, Woods could be that guy for part of the season or all of the season, and they could have it more split than we've seen it in the past. So um, it's an offense that, yeah, it's a run first offense, but we've seen plenty of big games out of wide receivers that are talented. Corey Davis had plenty of good games in Tennessee before going to the Jets. So um, I think he'll have at least a couple, I think both wide receivers, should have a number of weeks where they put up some good numbers and it could be different ones, different weeks.
0: Just realized I drafted James cook and Dalvin cook on the same team. Let's get some brothers, brothers. (laughs) get some DNA correlation going. Like where's all the talk in the industry about this going on. Dwayne, you are not on the clock right now, but we've gone ahead and made it through 10 rounds. How are you feeling about the squad? Because, you know, this time last week uh, when we were doing one of these, you were just pretty much like hand, hand, uh in your hands. So, we're, we're exactly feeling too good.
2: Yeah, so here's what I'll say. And it's always good, right? You learn from whenever you don't feel good about your drafts. Like that's the important thing. And so I went back and just thought through like what happened in that draft. How did it unfold that way? Number one, you're picking from where I was, and I think you can feel it. Um, What I will say about your team, though, that you've done a nice job, I've seen people end up down um, around the end, all of a sudden, you may have taken a lot of players that you're fine with. But you look up and you're like, Oh, my God, every player on my team is from an NFL team that might not win six games and it's just hard to feel that great about your squad when everyone on your team is on you know is from a is from a place where Vegas has them projected (laughs) for six wins or less right it's hard to imagine a big bull upside case for bad offenses so I think you've done a really nice job of avoiding that down there and you 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 circumvented it a little bit by reaching which I think ended up being okay like just not bad just in a couple of spots and so I think that's okay and I think that's a lesson to take away as far as my draft I think it's a lot easier to draft from the middle spot so I don't know it's necessarily lessons I learned last Mm -hmm. week that make me better at this draft it's just I'm not you know, I'm not painted into that corner that you're in down there, you know, in the 12 holes. So, but, but I feel good overall, you know, my squad and I've got uh, four picks till me, but I've got Justin Herbert along with Austin Eckler. Then I have DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Walker. Michael Pittman, Cortland Sutton, Elijah Moore, Sky Moore. I grabbed Christian Watson with my last pick, but I also have Dallas Goddard. And then I have some nice correlations going. I know Ian doesn't care, but as tiebreakers, I have Kenneth Walker versus Elijah Moore in week 17. I've got Sky Moore versus Cortland Sutton in week 17. I've got um this i've already got the team stack with austin eckler and justin herbert i have some rams in my queue we'll see what happens but like i could do something easy like a tyler higby a daryl henderson later like you don't have to think about these stacks always in the traditional way right it can just be about the game itself blowing up and it doesn't have to be from you know the, the avenues that we may think normally drive that um so i, I feel pretty good about it
0: looking at my squad working with Tom Brady as the QB1, Dalvin and James Cook, along with Travis Etienne at RB, CeeDee Lamb, Terry McLaurin, Rashad Bateman, and Russell Gage at wide receiver, along with Dalton Schultz and Gronk at tight end. Was going for that Cowboys stack early, wasn't able to complete it, but you know what? We're done at tight end now. I'm going to need to do a little bit more work at wide receiver, but I'm still seeing some decent names out there for the time being. We'll need some running backs as well. I might get gross and get, you know, the the stack everyone's after, guys. You know, the Carson Wentz, Jahan Dotson, and Terry McLaurin tree. Doing big time Dude, things.
2: I did it. I did it earlier this week. It, really did it, 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 it <laughs> didn't feel bad. It didn't feel bad because the price that you're getting on Dotson and Wentz makes it so easy dots and apparently
0: tearing up training camp some would say even uncoverable out there the training camp reports just kill me I mean some of them are fine like I'll take the information but I saw one today Ramondre Stevenson is getting a blurb written about him practicing his pass game skills not that he was like told that he's going to be a third down back that's what I thought like it was a coach saying it but no and over the offseason Ramondre Stevenson was catching football guys adjust the freaking ranks I guess so looking <laughs> right now I get two picks at the turn, which is great. I'm going to – oh, this is tough. This is tough. All
2: right, Uh-oh. I'm, oh, my God. I'm panicking. Just fantastic. <laughs> podcast You're right panicking now. on the whole show. You, <laughs> end up, <laughs> you, you end up squeezing out good picks, though, so I'm not too worried about you.
0: All right. I'm going to get two wide receivers – and see what happens at running back later. Jahan Dotson and Tim Patrick, welcome to the squad. I still just think there's an underrated chance that Tim Patrick doesn't go out there and be the number two, maybe even the number one receiver in this Broncos offense. It could happen. He was better than Cortland Sutton last year in the same offense, I know Sutton's first year coming off of injury, but then looking at Hamler, whose recovery seems to be going along pretty okay, and that was a very early season injury. I think it's going to be Hamler and Judy mostly working out of the slot. Like Nate, when you when we're kind of projecting these Broncos targets, Albert O excluded because I know you're you know running that bandwagon as well. But just with these wide receivers, like I just think objectively, we should be ranking Tim Patrick for more targets than Jerry Judy, if the assumption is that Hamler is going to eat more into the slot.
1: I completely agree with you there. Judy's probably the player that I'm furthest away from compared to his ADP and where I have him ranked currently, at least among the players in that offense. And just he, I feel like right now we're still viewing him where he was drafted with a mid first round pick, what, two years ago. And he has not lived up to that in any way these past two years where, like, they have plenty of wide receiver options. So, Russell Wilson said great things about all four of them to this point. If he just said great things about Judy and one of the other wide receivers, then maybe I'd be more excited about Judy going forward. But I think this is a four-wide receiver offense where there's going to be plenty of rotation, and they like the run game as well. So they won't always have three wide receivers on the field. They made sure to have a one-blocking tight end to go with Albert O and another receiving tight end from the draft. So we're not even always going to see three wide receivers on the field. And in that case, at least last year, it was Patrick and Sutton, not Judy. So I know it's a new coaching staff, so things can change. But It
2: is a new coaching yeah, I like, staff. I like the Jacoby Myers pick by Nate. Sorry. Ooh. No, you're good. Yeah. No, I just want
0: to get your thought on the Denver situation because Nate's right. There's four wide receivers that will seemingly be involved. Javante, Melvin, Albert O. Potentially we get Dolchich out there too. And it's not a given that Russ Wilson is just going to be throwing the ball all around the yard week in and week out. When we started drafting Dwayne like in March or whatever, Sutton and Judy were going, I think, outside the top 30. They were very reasonable there. Are we maybe expecting a little bit too much out of these guys in an uncertain situation? Why not just take Patrick and Hamler late? Because we maybe are overrating our confidence level in Sutton and Judy at the top. Is that fair?
2: Um, I feel good about Sutton and Judy. I, I know they're pushed up the board a little bit right now, but I mean, just getting to play with Russ, like I really do feel good about them. Um, And I, I just feel like with Sutton, and we've talked about it before, Ian, I, I feel like he's going to be on the field all the time. I think Judy's at a little bit at risk. Like if they run, you know, we know that um Nathaniel Hackett is probably going to use the fullback, going to use 12 personnel, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know how how often will they be in 11, like 60%. I I mean, I, I'm not for sure. Like, I think there'll be a multiple team. And so what we need to hear about Judy in the preseason is that he's getting to play outside. And if we hear that, that's bad for Patrick because it means he's probably off the field until they go to 11. Then he comes on Judy kicks inside, but then you still got to deal with KJ Hamler. So yeah, I'm fine with taking swings on anyone from the offense late, but I'm not scared of the ADPs right now where they're, where they're at for really any of these guys. Um, If there was one that concerns me the most is probably Judy. But he's also the guy that we know, like some of his underlines, even though he hasn't been healthy and been able to play really a full season, like they're pretty solid. Right. And and they say that he could be like a really nice wide receiver, too. So it's a you know, it's a tricky situation, but I'm really OK with all getting exposure to all the Denver guys at their current ADP.
0: Luckily with Judy, we do have that, uh, you know, legal issue that kind of popped up out of nowhere. Resolved this week. Looks like we don't have to worry about that anymore. So with Judy, it's just weird that, you know, second half of the season, I think everyone was thinking, okay, it could be, you know, with Teddy under center, Probably going to be either Sutton or Judy, and they end up being neither guy. So, just to see Teddy and Carolina enable three top 25 receivers in DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel in 2020, then come to another wide receiver room that I think we all agree is pretty talented, but find nowhere near the same level of success. Um, it is just a situation we're going to need Russ to really elevate that group, but it is Russell Wilson. So, if we are going to make that assumption, pretty good guy to be betting on. Dwayne, you went ahead and took the best late-round tight end possible, Irv Smith. Seemingly still just sitting pretty far down there in the ranks. I mean, we made it through the offseason. They didn't add any competition. Now, you know, probably running this more ramp-style offense. I mean, no one can stop talking about the Justin Jefferson and the Cooper Cup role. Justin Jefferson just had the best two-year start of, like, any wide receiver ever. Like, he doesn't even need the Cooper Cup role to be great. (laughs) Irv Smith getting the Tyler Higby role is what we should really be paying attention to.
2: Yeah, I'm excited about the Irv Smith pick. I I wanted either Okwabunum or Irv Smith. I preferred Irv Smith there because I have Kirk Cousins as my QB2 at this point. So I also got to stack that, you know, uh, that duo. So I'm happy with it. But those are the two guys I'm the most excited about drafting, you know, in this range. And I think this is actually a decent range um, for tight ends because normally, I know you took Gronk a little bit earlier. His ADP is normally around 120. But like between Gronk, Alberto, Irv Smith, I really love, I typically grab one out of that trio every single draft, regardless of if I had a, if I I have a tight end already or not,
0: I'm going to grab Tyler Algier and then get some George Pickens. On the plate, I do like having Pickens, you know, upside and just talent level, and someone that without that injury maybe could have been around one guy. Of course, Pittsburgh certainly knows how to draft these wide receivers. Getting him, you know, all the way in round 14, I'll sign up for. And then with Tyler Algier, I was actually writing my Falcons preview all day today. Mike Davis last year 196 combined carries and targets like if you look at the guys they have Damian Williams has I think like fifty thousand dollars guaranteed um maybe a little bit more but it's not nothing all that consequential Quintero Patterson set like five million guaranteed you're not seeing anyone else in that offense even touching uh that number I think CPAT's like the 12th highest paid player on the team in total in terms of total valuation but I don't like getting excited about fifth round picks but man Dwayne the depth chart looking at Tyler Algier at BYU last year he was one of Four players with a PFF grade of at least uh, 70 in rushing, receiving, and pass blocking. Like he has that theoretical three down upside. And we know that Atlanta is going to want to be established in the run. Like we're going to talk about Atlanta uh, tomorrow on the PFF Fantasy Football podcast. So I'll be reading our kind of draft guide preview on it. But as you're picking, I'll continue to hype up Tyler uh, Algier. But reading uh, Mike Renner's kind of breakdown of Tyler Algier, he didn't call him this like scheme dependent back, but he did note that, you know, in the zone scheme where he can just take one cut, get downhill and just, you know, kind of be a bruiser. He's not someone that's going to, you know, be making a ton of people miss in the open field. He'll get what's there and maybe get a few extra yards. The fit sounds perfect. The depth chart is literally as soft as possible. I mean, there's a chance that Tyler Algier kind of fits in as one of these flex whip benefits types where, Hey, we might get 10 to 12 touches per week, as long as CPAT's there. And man, the rest of his competition is a bunch of 30 year olds. Like it wouldn't be that shocking if we're in the second half of the season, all of a sudden Tyler Algier is handling the three down roll, or maybe I'm talking too much about a fifth round running back. That might be a special teams player. Where are you falling on Algier? Uh, Dwayne?
2: Well, I think right now it's just the depth chart looks so soft. And I think that draws us all in. I mean, you know, could Damian Williams beat him out? Yeah. Um, I think we all agree that they're probably not just going to completely leave. They're not going to put Cordero Patterson in like a 300 touch role, right? He's going to, he's going to be very involved and, but he could play more receiver this year. So I'm fine with Tyler Algier, especially, you know, where we're getting it's not like he's been pushed up to like round nine or anything like that. You know where you're getting him round, you know, you round 13, round 12, round 14, somewhere in there. I'm fine with where his ADP is settled. It's kind of funny because some of the same people that pump up Alan Lazard are like saying, hey, you should do a break tap on Tyler Algier. He's never done anything. And I'm like, well, neither is Alan Lazard. (laughs) He's been with Aaron Rodgers for his whole life. So like, which way do we want to argue about this? Um, But yeah, it's um, Yeah. yeah, go ahead.
0: I was going to say it was $500,000 guaranteed for Williams. Jeremy McNichols is apparently pulling people off. He has $0 in guaranteed money. And then there's Quadri Allison who, you know, he had his chance last year, just like Damian Williams had his chance in Chicago. And he even got beat up by Khalil Herbert, just like Jerry McNichols had his chance in Tennessee. And he got beat out by Dontrell Hilliard, actually, and Deontay Foreman, for that matter. So, uh, Dwayne, I think it was when um, – at some point in the soft season, we've talked uh, several times at this point, but we were uh, going through, I think, some of the uh, rookie wide receivers just in these later rounds of the draft, and you made the point where it's like, you know, this guy, or no, it was the quarterbacks. And it was like, this guy, we haven't seen him suck as much as some of these other guys. And yeah, we're picking <laughs> in round four.
2: That was my analysis.
0: I, that, You know, maybe not in those exact words, but um, when, we're, when we're in round 14, really like quality. we're making a bet on that, I will take it. But Dwayne, you're about to be on the clock again. Who are you targeting here? Gerald
2: Everett, if he's there. Um, because in this build, you know, I like Dallas Goddard, very talented, but I'm scared. I, I like building three tight ends when Goddard's my first. It's also value right now. And Gerald Everett would Everett would be a stack with Herbert um, to go along with Eckler. Um, I still don't have a Ram bring back, which is a disappointing, you know, for week 17 after getting all these chargers. But, you know, I don't force that crap like when it's not there, Ian, you know, because if I do – you will probably yell at me. So Gerald Everett will be the pick.
0: I do love me some Gerald Everett this year. I know he hasn't. He's one of these guys that we've seen a bunch of situations where he's had the hype and he hasn't exactly come to fruition. And you start seeing the naysayers say things, reasonable things like he's never been a tight end. one Why is he going to do it this year? Which makes sense, but When he's getting a good amount of money, like more money than Jared Cook got. And Jared Cook had 85 targets on his Chargers team last year. He's going to be in an offense with Justin Herbert, who could very reasonably lead the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Like he's one of the MVP frontrunners for a reason. That's the sort of guy that we will take a bet on, hopefully beat those odds. So, Nate, you're about to be on the clock. How are you feeling about the squad? How are you looking to round things out here?
1: I'm pretty happy so far. Um, got my quarterback set, five running backs, so I'm not sure I'll touch that again. So probably stack up on a couple more wide receivers. Um, we'll need one more tight end at some point, but pretty happy with George Kittle. Um, who are you
0: looking for for picks? <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> 181. You know, a lot of people are out on him, but Freddie Swain with the oh. Seahawks, you know, just a pretty wide open depth chart. Okay, OBJ, there we go gus edwards i cannot stop drafting gus the bus Some if you didn't bump. take
2: him i was gonna scream at you just because like sitting at the top of the queue and how much you have been you know uh, basically a cheerleader for gus i appreciate it like you had to take him
0: end of round 15 you can get a running back that probably projects for 10 to 12 carries per game in a run heavy baltimore ravens offense sounds good to me and gus is another one of these guys where in the Naeem Hines mold where they don't have the same three down handcuff appeal as like a Tony Pollard or an Alexander Madison from last year which I get but it's not like if J.K. JK Dobbins got hurt Gus would still probably be in that low end you know even maybe mid-tier RB2 mold just like if DeAndre Swift got hurt Jamal Williams maybe doesn't take everything but I think he would all of a sudden be a guy consistently ranked in the top 20 top 24 and this again I think running backs like this Gus Evers and Jamal Williams the guys that Hey, if there's no injuries that happen on their death chart, we might get a couple usable weeks out of them. Jamal Williams was the overall RV five in week one last year on a terrible Lions team. Like we're not, killing the draft pick at round 15, 16. We're probably not getting a complete zero out of it like you, when you're drafting some of these complete backups and you have the upside for a good amount more. So just more reasons to me for why you shouldn't be afraid of getting in on those wide receivers early because we have guys like them late and even you know Deontay Foreman and uh, Hassan Haskins of the world, whereas the wide receivers that are going right now, I mean, Sammy Watkins, Curtis Samuel, John Mechie, OBJ, Will Fuller, Not saying some of those guys won't work out, but, again, I just like the RBs compared to the wide receivers once we start getting into the later rounds. Dwayne, you did go ahead and pull the trigger on Sammy Watkins. I want to ask Nate, the resident Packers fan here, who's going to lead the Packers in targets this year, Nate? Say it. Say it. Uh, Watkins has a decent chance, but uh,
1: Alan Lazard probably is the guy that I would trust the most to lead the team in targets. I know you said he hasn't done anything, but – he has had some fairly good games followed by injuries directly after those good games. So like it's felt like throughout his career, it's kind of been a build up, build up injury, go back down, build up, build up injury, go back down. So
2: the the thing for him, that's why, that's why I love like targets per route run. Right. Cause it doesn't care about that. Right. It doesn't care about just the target share. It's like, okay, great. You know, Alan Lazard has been pretty much dinged up, but let's take him, you know, in the games. And even if we eliminate games where he had to leave injured, like it just, I'm not saying he could never do it, but he would be basically not the first. I've found one other player that's had a profile like his, like out of hundreds that actually did come through. So, I mean, there's a chance, Yankee, that you're right. Were you including playoff games? <laughs> <laughs> we can we can include them for, but then we have but then we get to include them for Gabriel Davis and everyone freaks out
0: <laughs> why would we not I mean if we're looking at a singular player I always think we should include the playoffs they they matter the most It used to piss me off when uh Des Bryant in 2017 was you know falling off like there were a million stats that you could pull up that would kind of show that Des Bryant was no longer the same player but we had this ludicrous stack going around how he hadn't gone over 100 yards and x amount of games when he went for like 130 and two tutties against the Packers in the playoffs. Like, come on, guys. The the main
2: reason I don't do it in articles is because it it trips people, right? They, well, how can you look at, Playoffs for this guy and not for this guy, which really for like targets per route run, target shares, you know, rate stats, like it shouldn't matter, right? It's fine. It's just in their sample, you know, if you, yeah, if we're counting how many yards they had in a season, you can't include, you know, uh, Gabriel Davis and then, you know, you compare him to a guy that didn't get to play in the playoffs, but it trips people out. So I don't want, I want to make sure that the analysis stays clean, but underlying, like I still like to look at it. I always look at it. And my thought on the Packers, I was just, I was really just messing with Nathan, but. My thought is we don't see a player get over like twenty percent target share. My guess is it's spread out. Like we're gonna see a bunch of guys between like sixteen and twenty percent. And so I, I just in those scenarios, I do lean to just taking the guys that go later in ADP. I, I, I don't think any one of them is gonna jump off the page and be a twenty five percent target share player. Th- that's just me. Like Aaron Jones complete the team in targets. I agree. Yeah, like that's probably the best bet, Yankee. That's probably the best bet. <laughs> Dwayne Snags Julio Jones. Look, you. Julio Jones maybe has washed,
0: but as soon as he signs somewhere, which fully seems to be his intention, he's not gonna be going in the middle of the 17th round. Pick all 32 teams, any of the teams you want, he will not be going in round 17. We just saw with Jarvis Landry. I think we're going to see it as well with Will Fuller and OBJ. A couple more injury questions with them, particularly OBJ, obviously having that extended absence. But man, like when we've been posting these afterwards, you know, people are like mocking the Julio Jones picks. And again, it's just a value play, everyone. He is going to be shooting up these ranks once he is picked. I am gonna go ahead and complete the fabled Wentz McLaurin Jahan Dotson stack. But you know what? We're getting our QB2 in round 17. Don't hate the player, hate the game. And then I will get Christian McCaffrey's potential handcuff, Deontay Foreman, as my final pick. Great day to be great, gentlemen. Look at that squad. You know what? I did it again, guys. I beat both of you again. <laughs> Feeling good. No worries there. You guys still have your uh, picks up, but I'm going to get the draft board going, and then we can kind of look over things at the end. Do you guys have a favorite round 18 dart right now? I'm trying to figure that out in the next (laughs) Thank you.
2: All right. Let me get the board up. I'm actually considering Justin Ross. Stick with the Bears. So, Nathan, you took my one other guy. (laughs) 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 because I have DeAndre Swift. And so I was looking, okay, tiebreaker, Byron Pringle's a starter. Mm -hmm. um, He will play against the Lions in week 17. So now it's on me. So I could take Justin Ross. See, this is what I mean. You're sitting here and you could still get Austin Hooper. You could still take Brevin Jordan. You could still take C.J. Ozoma. Not that we love these guys, but they're all all basically starting tight ends. Whereas Brian Edwards, what is he going to do? We don't know. LaVisca Chenault, you know, is buried on a depth chart. How much time do I got? I just can't believe uh, Taysom
0: Hill already went two rounds earlier. I was boom. wondering if you were ignoring him or not.
2: Let's there just do the Justin Ross thing, just just in case. I do have some Denver players. I've got some Kansas City players, so we'll we'll roll with it.
1: Yeah, like looking at the wide receivers still available. Some guys that I still like. Nick Westbrook, Ikea, and Tennessee um, should be their wide receiver three and had some okay playing last year. Um Terrence Marshall, a second-round pick last year, who was pretty much a bust in year one, but he could turn it around in year two since I don't really yeah, know. I've, I've
2: taken he, him a lot, actually. Rogers, um, someone
1: else who like,
2: – Marshall's a great guy to keep in mind, especially like with your last pick, whenever you've taken several bucks. It's easy to come back and grab Robbie Anderson or Terrence Marshall late in your drafts. Like Robbie Anderson goes too late as well. Obviously, he's off the board at this point. But, yeah, I like the guys you mentioned, Nate.
0: Yeah, you know, hopefully Terrence Marshall can beat out Brandon Zilstra this year just a small <laughs> small hurdle there for him
2: didn't they know. add uh Richard higgins Richard higgins hollywood higgins to you dwayne hollywood higgins that was hey. like the
0: coolest thing coolest thing baker mayfield ever did was when higgins would score touchdowns baker would get down and start doing the camera celebration so guys I i was getting chastised by cleveland brown's twitter my point with the baker situation is like if Watson, which it sure kind of looks like he's going to be suspended for a chunk of the season, let's say Watson is suspended for the entire season, which seems like a potential outcome here. Like, Baker Mayfield is better than Jacoby Brissett. He, he, he is. We've seen higher highs. You can pick the stable quarterback stats. Baker Mayfield is a better option than Jacoby Brissett you can't win a Super Bowl with Jacoby Brissett. I don't even know if you can contend for the playoffs at a meaningful level with Jacoby Brissett. Is it not in the Browns and Baker's best interest to bury this shit under the bridge and for the Browns to have Baker this year and for Baker to go to Cleveland and play for the best potential team out of like what, four, maybe the Seahawks, the Panthers and the Texans. Like those are the only other teams that feasibly could get Baker a starting job. Like, I don't know, man. And people are saying, why would Baker go back there? Like he's so prideful and shit. Like, I don't know if he, if Baker went out for the Browns this year and played like he did in the second half of 2018 or the second half of 2020, if he somehow does that for a whole season, his value is going to be higher than ever going to free agency. Am I just completely off the wall, Dwayne? I feel like it makes some rational sense.
2: Yeah, I think it makes football sense will it make sense to Baker or the team? I don't know. <laughs> you know, we're, we're like, we're humans and we get pissed off about stuff. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I agree like that. It would make the most sense that you're not really going anything anywhere with, you know, Jacoby Brissett. Um, and, and look, Baker hasn't really been great, but we know that he's better than Brissett.
0: Baker Mayfield throws a touchdown, immediately turns over to, like, the front office suite and just throws two birds up there. He's grabbing his dick, like, in the post-game press conference. Like, just – he already plays with a chip on his shoulder. Like, just use that fuel, man. I mean, he's always kind of presented himself as an underdog, even though he's the number one overall pick and all that. And that's great. It's fiery. Like, I just – it's weird with Baker. And again, like my whole point here is that Baker Mayfield is better than Jacoby Brissett. And this Browns roster is loaded. Like, I don't think you should just throw in the towel on contending this year because, you know, Baker had his feelings hurt. So, whatever they need to do. But yeah, Baker for despite you know his flaws he's certainly the best quarterback other than if Deshaun Watson's out of the picture obviously Baker would be the best quarterback the Browns could feasibly start in week one of next season we will see how that situation plays out but fellas we have completed another round of best ball Dwayne you want to go through your team real quick and then Nathan and then myself and then we can get out of here
2: sure uh quarterbacks Justin Herbert who I got 10 picks past ADP came back with Kirk Cousins as my second quarterback Austin Eckler as my RB one, DeAndre Swift as my RB two. Then I have Kenneth Walker, Damian Pierce, and Tyrion Davis Price to round out my running back room. I actually consider with that last pick, and I wish I could redo it. I would have just taken Hassan Haskins. Yeah. Um, you know, just playing behind Derrick Henry. You know, probably the next guy up. I like having some guys like that. Um, so I, I wish I would have went. I was whatever reason, tunnel vision over on wide receivers just after telling everyone not to take wide receiver in round 18. So that's what happens whenever you're broadcasting live, you make a complete idiot of yourself. So uh, you're welcome. Michael Pittman was my first receiver. I took him in uh, round three, basically right at ADP. I got some access to Cortland Sutton, who's been creeping up boards. So I want to go ahead and get a little bit of Sutton. I'm not overweight on him or anything right now at this point. Came back with Elijah Moore as my wide receiver three. Remember, you have to start three in this format. Then I added Sky Moore, Christian Watson as rookies, came back with Sammy Watkins, Julio Jones, and Justin Ross. Then rounded it out with the tight ends, Dallas Goddard, Irv Smith, um, Gerald Everett. Like overall with the draft, like I feel pretty good. Um, it's not my favorite team that I've drafted, but I really like the construction overall. Um, I got I got the mixed value with creating some team stacks with a few game stacks. So I think I have like four, maybe five game stacks going on in week seven, and I didn't have to reach for any of them. They all just basically came as a tiebreaker versus someone else in my tier. So I like it whenever that works out um, appropriately.
0: Good job by you, my friend. Nate, talk to us about the squad.
2: Um,
1: have a double quarterback tight end stacks with both the 49ers and Bengals. Um, also with Debo Samuel with the 49ers. Um, Got some solid running backs, Najee Harris, Cam Akers, then a few backups, Tony Pollard, Khalil Herbert, Kenneth Gainwell, all three players. Rated fairly well for us last year, so relying probably a little too much on the grades there, but hopefully they will be able to break out this year. Then just a number of largely veteran wide receivers, so it would have been nice to get a younger guy here and there, but Michael Thomas, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay, Jacoby Myers, Odell Beckham, Curtis Samuel, Byron Pringle, so hopefully among the combination of all those guys, a few of them will work
2: out. That what is, is that? Uh, nine receivers? Yeah. So you're yeah, a two five nine two. Two five nine two bill for yeah. Nate. Which is nine,
1: what nine I like.
2: What'd you say, uh Nate?
0: I typically like the two, five, nine, two Do way. You? Yeah. Yeah. I was just laughing at Jacoby Myers and Debo being like the youngest wide receivers on the squad, but hey, good uh, roster construction. What's up, Dwayne?
2: No, no, no. I'm good. I was just gonna ask Nate, you know, why he likes the two five nine two. Is there anything specific he likes about it?
0: Um,
1: typically I end up with two running backs early on. So when I have two good running backs early on, I'm typically fine with just three more. Yeah. And then that leads to the nine wide receivers. And I typically only like two quarterbacks and two tight ends, since I tend to make sure that I get at least one solid quarterback and one solid tight end. Um, If I end up waiting a little too long for either quarterback or tight end, then I might consider a third one for either of those positions.
0: My team, free, Duke Johnson. I still have 0% Duke Johnson exposure. If you want to call me a fraud, I, I certainly get it. I need to fix that. But Duke Johnson, not having him on the squad aside, I am feeling pretty good here. Got the first QB, Tom Brady, at the end of round seven. Went ahead and was able to stack him with Russell Gage and then Rob Gronkowski. Also formed a sneaky little backdoor stack with Carson Wentz, Terry McLaurin, and Jahan Dotson. Elsewhere at running back, we got Dalvin and James Cook, Travis Etienne, and then was able... From rounds thirteen on, to get Tyler Algier, Gus Edwards, Jamal Williams, and Deontay Foreman, four backs in my opinion. If their guy, if their lead running back goes down, if CPat, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, or Christian McCaffrey get injured, I do think these would be, you know, the guys on the cover of the waiver wire article the following week. Just, I like my receivers. I don't love them. CD, McCorn. you took
2: Deontay Foreman because he's a stack with your bucks in week seventeen. We know that. Don't. Don't try to don't try to gloss that past us, as as We know what you're doing. I refuse to ever admit. <laughs> i'm just yeah on the other side of my computer i just have i'm gonna laugh when you win 75 grand off of deontay foreman going nuts in week 17 because mccaffrey's hurt and it's against brady trying to get in the playoffs (laughs) you guys
0: can't see it but like on my wall right past my computer screen it's just the week 17 schedule projected over unders (laughs) and uh spreads and all that so that's really the only thing i was going for here but cd mclaurin bateman russell gage tim patrick dotson and george pickens to get wide receivers. so Probably would have liked to get another wide receiver in the fold. You know, taking James Cook was okay, but there were still some uh, decent guys on the board, like a Jamison Williams, like a Christian Watson that you guys were, or at least Watson for Dwayne, were able to get. Might have had a little bit more upside, particularly in a half PPR format like underdog. So good, not great. I'll give myself a, uh, a B or so here. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to about wrap it up, guys.
2: Dwayne, One question for Ian yeah. first, though. Got to ask Ian one question. So Ian, in... DFS tournaments you're you know you're doing yes US, USFL you're grinding it right now oh, yeah. do do you correlate your whenever you play your stacks in those games do you stack in those games do you stack games
0: yes Dwayne for single week tournaments I do stack games
2: so here's my question you're sitting here drafting and let's say there's two players right next to each other who do you have next to Deontay Foreman in your ranks you don't even have to officially name the real person probably just, Haskins so let's let's say it's Haskins okay and you either have you have dak as your quarterback you know with cd lamb or you have tom brady as your quarterback with mike evans or whoever like in this case you've got you know a guy that we both love russell gage why not just go ahead and take Haskins now in this case you took the right one you took Foreman right because he he's going to be the stack like that's my point it's not that you're driving your whole draft that way but if you know inherently that game stacks matter because it's been proven so why not give yourself that chance in week 17 as a tiebreaker I agree with you when you see people going bananas reaching you know just starting out trying to build game stacks like right out of the gate like I think you know you can try it but like you're just setting yourself up to be hurt it is a piece of the puzzle. And that's fine, but holy shit. Just trying to get you to admit that one thing.
0: People cannot stop talking about it. I I feel like I scroll through Twitter and I see more Week 17 schedule talk than anything at this point. So... Look, if you want a game stack, that's fine. If and I'm okay with that correlation. What the one part that was annoying me is trying to pretend like we're going to have a good grip on some of these defenses. Game stack is great, but I I have heard uh, I agree people, with you on I have heard um, people imply that like okay, we want to avoid Bengals against that you know rough and tough Bills defense out there in Week 17. Like spare you just me
2: that person. Yeah,
0: spare me with that idea. And be careful with some of this stuff like Casey versus Denver. Yeah, is that going to be a shootout? We are going to be – these games are on New Year's Day. We got to – also, if we want to do this, we want to go down this freaking Week 17 rabbit hole, let's consider the weather a little bit. Let's consider the fact in DFS land with those correlations that the second division game between teams usually brings out the worst in those players with the familiarity and all that going on. So a piece of the puzzle. And, Dwayne, it was was just more so, uh, again, it's – Dwayne, I see your analysis, and it's fantastic. You have like I 20 think you variables should stay on, on
2: brand and just ignore it all this time.
0: <laughs> like- <laughs> I'm just saying, Dwayne, you have like 20 freaking variables looking at, which is great. You should be, and I know week 17 matchups deserves to be one of those pieces. Uh, it was cracking me up that you found a way to bring it up though in the first five minutes of the stream. So I understand just, you weren't. That was just for you. Thank you. I understand you weren't drafting your freaking third round pick purely on that. So. With that said, Nate, let the people know what you have at PFF.com, what you're working on.
1: Uh, Yeah, find me on Twitter, PFF underscore Nate Yaki, N-A-T-J-A-H-N-K-E. And right now I'm working more behind the scenes, but starting in July, I will have plenty of fantasy football
0: content for everyone to read. Love having Nate on the squad. He always finishes, you know, better than any of us in ranking competition. So we get to just kind of watch Nate from afar and then just, you know, make our ranks like just a little bit different and then just kind of nod along as Nate actually talks through the good analysis, just Drake and joshing around everyone, but truly follow Nate on Twitter again at PFF underscore Nate Yonke. Particularly. I was talking uh, to Dwayne a about some preseason DFS stuff uh, this year, Nate, and you know, truly, Best thing you do, man, is just day after day, game after game. I don't know how your family puts up with you, but when those preseason games are over, you have all the first team snaps, all the great information. Truly, I think one of the most actionable. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I'll have that while the games are still going on (laughs) and the starters are done in the first quarter or so. And then it's like, okay, second quarter, get it written up. There we go. I'm going to read it half time.
0: Truly one of the most actionable follows out there. Dwayne top 150 tomorrow let's go man that's a big day you're about you're about to get yelled at by some strangers man
2: oh i know especially like once uh you know the graphic department is done with it and they put a tweet out (laughs) (laughs) i will lose followers tomorrow i i just go ahead and i have it bookmarked it's ready
0: i actually i'm not trying to be i mean you guys have a decent amount of followers too at some point it stops showing you like the individual amount of followers, so it's just like ten point seven k or whatever the hell your number happens to be. It used to be like so unnerving sometimes. Not that I would keep track of the exact amount of freaking followers, but you would send a tweet and then you'd be like minus four. Like, what the hell am I doing wrong here? <laughs> like, what what is this, guys? Was that that bad? So good to be honestly. To
2: I her. do not pay attention anymore, and I'm thankful for the. I don't yes. want that to sound wrong. I'm very thankful for the folks that that I get to engage with on Twitter. I just don't let anything about my happiness in life have anything to do with Twitter. <laughs> you know, now I enjoy Twitter, but that's the way I want to keep it. It's just that I enjoy doing it and that is it. 100%. All
0: right, guys. Great stuff for joining. For Nate, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for tuning to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be back next week. And until next time, take care, everybody.